This episode is brought to you by Facebook Gaming. Facebook Gaming provides research-based insights, in-depth case studies and educational materials, helping game makers, developers and publishers of all sizes to build, grow and monetize their games. In our new report, Games Marketing Insights for 2021, we explore some of the trends that emerged in 2020 that will impact gaming in 2021. To get your free copy and to learn more about Facebook Gaming's powerful UA and monetization solutions, visit fb.gg forward slash the drum. You'll find useful educational materials, including playbooks, webinars, blogs, and reports alongside great video content. Hello everybody and welcome to this special drum podcast in collaboration with Facebook Gaming. Gaming is now the most lucrative entertainment medium in the world. It's increasingly social and I'm sure that a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast might not even consider themselves gamers despite the fact that they play. At the same time, changing consumer habits and changing tech trends mean that there are endless opportunities for brands, marketers and consumers to really take advantage of this burgeoning social gaming movement. So to discuss those opportunities, I'm joined by two absolutely fantastic guests whose expertise spans the breadth of the industry, and we're going to go over what these trends mean for brands, marketers, and ultimately for the gamers themselves. So Tim, can I ask you to introduce yourself first, please? Sure. Hi, Chris. My name is Tim Lyon, and I lead EMEA Marketing for Facebook Gaming. Uh, Facebook Gaming is in the business of helping developers and publishers bring their games to market and grow and build and monetize games. And yeah, that's what we do. Fantastic. And Natalia, you actually come at, come at it from a slightly different angle, which is kind of from the marketing side. So, you know, what, what does Anzu do? Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Natalia, uh, and I'm leading the marketing efforts at Anzu, uh, the world's leader of in-game advertising. So... Our technology uh, blends real-world brand ads directly into video games, esports tournaments, and live streams. Nice, fantastic, and I'm I'm sure we're going to touch upon you know both esports and the the benefits and the opportunities around live streaming as we go. But to begin with, Tim, Facebook Gaming actually has a piece of research out. Uh, so I wondered, and, and, and sort of a report into the changing face of social gaming in particular. So I wondered if you could maybe take us through how that came about, some of the methodologies, and you know, ultimately how people can access it. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, we've released uh, our second annual sort of future-looking report, uh, but we pivoted a little this year for, for obvious reasons. You know, we were preparing a, a sort of a our view on industry trends for developers and marketers, you know, uh, and when we were hit by COVID, our research team uh, decided that it might be interesting to see whether that had an impact on gaming. Obviously, we'd all seen uh, an impact. We'd seen it in uh, the behaviours from our advertisers and, you know, across the industry. So we work with an internal team who do both business research and consumer research and they commissioned a study through Interpret of about 13,500 uh, self-reporting gamers. Mm. Uh, and I'm going to read my notes here, Chris, because I can't commit all this stuff to memory. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, and the markets that we covered, again, there was 13, uh, nine markets in total. 
Um, again, it's uh, Brazil, Canada, Germany, France, Japan, Korea, UK, US, and Vietnam. Uh, and they ran the survey between July and October of last year. And, and the idea was to try to understand were there new people coming to mobile gaming particularly? Uh, and what were the habits that that new cohort brought? And so we did, divided the groups into two cohorts. There was new players, so people who hadn't played games before the first peak of the pandemic. And, and obviously all of this planning and all of this work was done sort of, you know, when we had all hoped that there was going to be one peak and it was going to be a few months and then we're all going to be getting back to normal. Uh, obviously that isn't the case. But So we had two cohorts, the new players who hadn't played sort of prior to uh, you know, March, April, depending mm. on your market, of last year. Uh, and then existing players who were playing mobile games both sort of before the pandemic hit and afterward. That's fantastic. I suppose that, you know, even anecdotally, I know that I, you know, I know a lot of people who have been really encouraged to take up mobile gaming just because of kind of the strictures of the pandemic. You know, it's a great way to keep in contact with people. And I've been playing, you know, uh, Among Us and a bunch of different mobile games with people who I otherwise might have lost contact with during the pandemic. So to what extent then did you find that these are genuinely new behaviours among this fresh cohort of people who are coming in? And to what extent is it an extension of, you know, the existing trends that we've seen among, you know, uh, movement towards mobile and social gaming, even from what you might think of as legacy gamers? I mean, it was kind of fascinating. We were frankly surprised. We had hypotheses around what we thought we would learn. Um, but firstly, the scale were, was unbelievable. And you can see this in, in this report we've released. But, you know, the UK audience, mobile gaming audience grew by 50%. Mm. Uh, and again, US was 30%, Germany was about 25%. You know, across just across Germany, the US, UK, and Korea, there's nearly 50 million people who were reporting as being new to mobile gaming. That's huge. Uh, it's enormous. I mean, you know, we thought it was a big addressable audience already, but uh, the fact that it's able to grow in, in a market like the UK, which was considered, a, you know, a sophisticated market, a lot of developers export their games into the UK as a key market, you know, there was a feeling, not of saturation, but you didn't, you wouldn't have expected 50% growth, except, I guess, in extraordinary circumstances, which yeah. is what we came up with. So well, we didn't come up with it, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but, but certainly what occurred. Um, but what became interesting, if I go back to the hypothesis, was we expected it to be more like the profile of what we consider a casual gamer. We tend to skew slightly older skew slightly more female, play fairly short sessions and play mostly sort of puzzle and, you know, match three type games. Um, but interestingly, what we found is that in research, in the results of the research, this new cohort in every of one of our markets but Korea, uh, and I'll come back to that, skewed considerably younger mm. and preferred more core genres and had a higher propensity to spend in game. So that kind of pivoted our hypothesis just, you know, to thinking, okay, who are these people? And, you know, we can't prove this out necessarily, but our thinking is these are younger, probably console players and PC players who uh, live at home with their families mm. and aren't able to dominate the, the, the television and the, the console space in the house and so have moved to mobile. So... And they still, you know, 
casual and sort of hyper casual genres were still very much on top in terms of what was played. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> there was, a, a, you know, a notable propensity towards more mid-core and core genres. I suppose then the question is, uh, Natalia, to what extent do you think that brands and potential, you know, advertising partners understand who this kind of this gamer profile actually is and the opportunity that's around it? Uh, first, Tim, the report is great and um, it can be a great asset for all the marketers who want to understand the gaming audience better, who are trying to tap into this uh, new media and that's a great tool to get started. And uh, Chris, to answer your question, um, I do think that um, marketers need more education around gaming audiences, who mm. gamers are, how much they play, uh, what their behavior is. Um, they definitely need to know about the search uh, of gamers. Like I was uh, personally surprised to see 50% more mm. on, uh, like gamers among the UK audience. And that's something that we need to communicate to the uh, marketers and advertisers, things um, like the the gaming industry has been accelerated by COVID, no doubt. But still, marketers are a bit afraid of tapping into uh, gaming, and some of them still think that gamers are teenagers who have no purchase power and they play in their backyards and you know they are not the kind of audience that um, brand advertisers and marketers need to talk to which is not true and uh, the Facebook report is just another proof that the gaming audience is super versatile that it's growing and it, it has a lot of purchasing power and they're willing to spend time uh, in games and they're willing to talk to uh, marketers, advertisers um, and communicate with the brands they like within this ecosystem. Yeah, definitely. And, and if anybody needs any more proof of that, what I can do is I can share my bank account and just show the amount that I've spent on gaming during the course of the pandemic because it's uh, scary to think about. Are you a new gamer, by the way? <laughs> no, I'm not. So uh, I've been playing more mobile games. But that's uh, that's that's the extent of sort of my transition during this time. So, Perfect. Tim, then I suppose the the question is for anybody who's listening, the key question will be: Are these likely to be behaviours that persist after the you know the quote unquote end of the pandemic? And what from the report itself you know is evidence either way to that? Uh, it's a good question, Christian and, and Natalia. Thank you for for your kind words. The report is you know the work of a dedicated group of people across Facebook gaming. And, you know, it was a ton of work, but uh, we really like to think that we can produce work that is valuable to the industry as a whole. And, you know, I think this is another example of our progress in that direction. But, but I appreciate you saying it's, it's of value. Uh, Chris, I think, I think we don't know. I mean, I think if, you, if we'd have done this, you know, this podcast in October of last year or at the end of the summer, you know, I might have confidently said, yes, I think, you know, people who picked up the habit will probably, you know, there will be some attrition and some sort of correction, but a lot of people will, you know, play. They mm. may play slightly less than what they're playing when, they, when they're sort of in stay-at-home measures and so on. But with the extension of the lockdowns in most markets, you know, it's hard to say. I think probably there will be a, a more sustained group of mobile players. I think you'll see a lot more people 
become more dedicated and probably even shift into uh you know core genres mm. but you know let's put it this way from a business perspective we hope that <laughs> this is sustainable i think for all of our our clients and and, and the publishers and developers um, and i think it is but also i think with the extended sort of uh length of the pandemic uh, you know and i was listening to a podcast this morning about you know the surge in delivery for uber eats and those sorts of people you know i think everyone thinks there'll be a correct a slight correction because i think people will want should we be able to we'll want to sort of go back to face-to-face socialization and so on again so i think it'll be a you know, it, I don't know the right sort of pattern to give it, but I think mm. it will correct. But I think off that correction, there'll be a bounce back to habits that were formed over the course of the last 12 months or so. Nice. That's really good. And I suppose then, Natalia, the question is, are brands in a good position at the moment to take advantage of that, you know, the persisting trends that have emerged? You know, we think about the big gaming partnerships, whether it's Mercedes with Mario Kart or all the brands that have launched within Animal Crossing as kind of these these big temple brand partnerships. But for smaller and sort of slightly more niche brands, is there still an opportunity to reach these these gaming audiences who, as we've mentioned, are very lucrative? Absolutely. Gaming has latched itself into the routine of people during the pandemic times. And the trend is likely to stand and... um, I think that one of the challenges would be um, retention. But, you know, since the habit has been formed, I think that um, the new gamers will keep on playing. And that's a massive opportunity for uh, advertisers and for brands, especially as we're in the middle of the second or the third lockdown, Mm -hmm. where we don't have any social events. We cannot spend you know, on digital out of home or on out of home um again like any uh trade shows or industry events we're just uh deprived of all of it now and that's the perfect time to give it a try uh to test this audience and i'm sure and i know because that's what we see from our returning clients that I mean, like brand clients, that most of them will say yes and will come back uh, not only for mobile gamers, but PC and console as well. And Tim, I wondered if we could dig slightly deeper into kind of the global opportunity here. You mentioned uh, Korea earlier as being a slight outlier. I wondered if you could maybe dig into some of those geographic stats and the differences. Yeah, I mean, Korea just was slightly surprising because Korea looked a lot more like the profile that we expected, which was you know, the, the new cohort of players skewed older uh, and more uh, with a propensity to play more sort of casual genres. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm not an expert and, you know, my colleagues in, in APAC know that area of the business a lot better than I do. But I, my suspicion is that gaming culture in some of the Asian markets and, and markets like Korea, you know, is the that sort of mobile gaming penetration is already much deeper than mm. in a lot of other markets. And so it's it's almost the same trend, but it's an inverse trend because the market is inverse to everywhere else. Where in the UK, you know, you tend to have mobile players being more casual and, you know, then suddenly less sort of casual, more core players gravitated to mobile. And I suspect, and I don't have any evidence to back this up, this is pure gut, you know, in a very mobile advanced market like Korea, you have a you know good penetration of mobile gamers, and then people who hadn't previously, older cohort who hadn't previously played, 
we're attracted to it because of the, the, the situation of being, you know, in some form of lockdown. Mm. We do have in the report, and, you know, I, I, at the risk of having the sound of me flipping through pages, <laughs> there is, yeah, I think genre is an interesting element of it. And actually, just coming back to what Natalia was saying earlier about the opportunity for brands, and I think even your question earlier, Chris, about what this means for marketers and whether or not this new cohort will continue to play um, I think that is, in a way, very much dependent on how games developers and marketers behave over the next little while. Mm. You know, we know that there's a lot of change happening in the business this year. Not only do we have COVID, all these new players, we have the sort of the changing privacy ecosystem that's taking place. Um, and people are sort of, it's up to, I think it's going to be very much up to developers and advertisers to very much to Natalia's point, to recognise that the diversity of the playing audience is far more extensive than perhaps the knee-jerk marketing would react to. Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe then at this point, just a slight diversion, it's almost worth explaining the opportunities for advertising because we have you know, in-game advertising on consoles, we have in-app advertising, which is obviously a huge uh, um, area of growth for a lot of marketers as well so what then are some of those real marketing opportunities we've seen you know is it sponsorship within game is it kind of having those in-game advertisings is it having as you mentioned targeted creative within apps where would you say some of the biggest opportunities lie that marketers should be aware of well i think certainly for mobile i i I think there is you know there's a big cohort of mobile developers who you know particularly in europe as opposed to some of the other markets who, you know, in the casual end of the sort of the genre spectrum, uh, operate on an in-app advertising model. So, you know, free product and then ads, rewarded ads that get you level ups or power ups, you know, you name it, skip a level, Mm. etc. And in-app advertising is very powerful. What we found, again, in this new cohort, but also generally we find across most mobile gamers, is that they are okay with these ads. You know, there's a... (laughs) There's a general thinking that people are like, oh, people hate ads. No one wants to see ads. But if the ads are good and there's a genuine value exchange, which is why things like rewarded video and, and sort of that value exchange in an ad, uh, people are okay with it. Hmm. You know, I'm always of the opinion that there is a responsibility on advertisers to make the creative good. If you're going to have someone sit through an ad, the creative has to be, you know, thoughtful. And we do see, again, in the report, we would, the research came back and said, what people want to see is actual gameplay, which is fine. That doesn't limit your creativity. I think, you know, there's an expectation that games advertisers can make amazing ads because they have the IP at their fingertips. And I think that's true. But I also think that there is an opportunity for more diverse ads that are suited to the, you know, like Natalia said, the, the, the huge variety of who gamers are and why gamers play. See, I think that's really interesting. And I think that, Natalia, you could probably expand on that then. Is there almost best practice for reaching gaming audiences in a way that, you know, separates them from audiences and other mediums? You know, you can't just take a video ad that would have worked on a different platform and, you know, stick it next to a game. What really works well for for game advertising? Uh, Definitely. That's a very interesting discussion in terms of advertising, the possibilities that gaming uh, gives to advertisers and the technological advancements that also enable advertisers to take advantage of the um, of the ecosystem. And I'm really happy to hear that gamers are finally happy with ad-supported models 
since mm-hmm. it makes sense for a long time in mobile and more and more PC and console uh, gamers and uh, publishers are also ready to give this model a try. Um, in terms of the creative, that's um, that's a tricky question. First, um, uh, I should say that gaming gives vast opportunities in terms of creativity and everything is possible. Uh, like gaming as an ecosystem is marketer's dream since whatever is not possible in other uh, channels mm. uh, can like can be uh, tested in uh, gaming. Um, and the example will be just a billboard in the game. Yeah, if you you know wanted to spend um, hundreds of thousands uh, for billboards uh, in real life and you can't, you can give it a try in gaming. Yeah. The same applies to video or any other creatives. And then if we are talking about personalized ads and if we are talking about um, customized interactive ads, then brands have uh, really like vast uh, opportunities in terms of uh, the way they can communicate with gamers and gamers are ready for it. Um, yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, absolutely. I, I remember it was only a couple of years ago that we had sort of in-game ads within even, you know, one of the AAA titles like Street Fighter V. And at the time, people right. there was a backlash because people felt it was implemented badly. But now people have really come back around on it and sort of said, well, you know what, actually the ad-supported model works you know well elsewhere let's give it a go in gaming and there has been a really positive response true yeah that's true and now the industry is ready for it and by the industry i mean both advertisers game developers and gamers themselves at anzu we put gamers first and as a marketer i have uh, numerous discussions with gamers and ask them what kind of advertising you're comfortable with what kind of ads you would want to see and 95 percent of them confirm that they are totally fine with ads that are part of the gaming environment that uh, that fit natural uh, or just sit naturally in the game and you know just enhance the uh, realism of the game and uh, Tim is right when he says that advertisers are responsible for the uh, creative site and I also think that publishers uh, need to share this responsibility in terms of accepting or not accepting or giving the uh, gamer audience to advertisers so that they can like take the right decisions in terms of you know what to give it a try, what not to give it a try in terms of specific games, specific gamer, and we talk about personalized ads and the gaming experience uh, in general. Um, the creative point is uh, very interesting since at the moment, um, the advertising industry is not uh, ready yet to like to accept that they need to develop specific creative for in-game advertising mm. or in-game space. And that's a kind of issue since uh, I see a lot of um, cases when advertisers come with uh, social media creative or um, any other digital advertising creative and there is too much tax the tax is too small or there is a call to action that is not uh, like um super suitable for gaming spaces Mm. and you know (laughs) still uh there is a bit of work to be done in terms of um just defining the creative guidelines for the gaming ecosystem so that ads are even more naturally like fit the gaming space I suppose then the, the question that naturally follows from that is mobile and social are kind of inextric- 
inextricably linked now. So to what extent does, you know, live streaming and the opportunities for social content and for community growth around that, what does that actually offer to marketers? Tim, I wonder if you could maybe delve into that a little bit. Certainly a massive growth area that we're seeing at Facebook Gaming. Um, you know, we are starting to to see watch hours. I think we surpassed a, a billion watch hours last year. That's un- unreal that numbers. Stat, yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Um, and, you know, and we are probably uh, leading, you know, one of the leading mobile streaming platforms, you know, at, at fb.gg. Um, but to be fair, games like, uh, you know, Among Us and so on have pushed that up a lot as well. I mean, it used to be live streaming was, was Twitch and mm-hmm. it was, you know, AAA console games and, and or, or eSports games. Um you know, again, it's it's amazing to me when you think about esports and live streaming, the sheer scale of it. Yeah. And yet, how much the broader media industry and advertising industry doesn't even think about it. And it's you know, and even when you put the numbers in front of people, I think sometimes they're like, uh, yeah, but it's gaming. And I mean, gaming is so enormous and such an enormous opportunity for advertisers that that uh, you know, and Natalia made the very good point that it's you know, it's not just you know, young people who don't have any spending power. There are gamers that, you know, and because we all started, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm of an age where I had a Commodore 64 when I was a kid. And I'm, so I don't fit the sort of 18 to 35 targeting profile of most gaming advertisers. Let me put it mm. that way. Yet I still play. And, you know, I still respond to ads that, uh, you know, get my attention. So, but to back to your point about live streaming, I think it's a huge opportunity. Um, you know, the amount of time people spend watching, like I said, is incredible. But uh, the, you know, we've seen, certainly saw on Twitch, the introduction of ads and so on has been tricky there. It definitely, um, yeah. And I think probably Natalia knows this space a lot better than I do. But I think, you know, again, it has to be a value exchange. Yeah, actually, I wondered if you could maybe elaborate on some of that, Natalia, because you mentioned esports and live streaming before. And to Tim's point there that, you know, the, the introduction of ads to that space has been tricky. You know, how ready are brands and audiences, gaming audiences, to actually encounter ads within that live streaming space? Uh, sure. So, uh, first of all, I think that it's fair to say that both live game streaming and esports is a subset of gaming. So it's without mm-hmm. games, without gaming and the search in numbers, they won't be searching live streaming and uh, esports numbers. That's um, that's number one. So, you know, I, I'm considering this as part of the bigger ecosystem. And um, um, what I can say in terms of live streaming and esports in specific, I see that a lot of brands see it as a more premium space and they want to give it a try, um, like uh, an esports tournament, for example, jumping over mobile gaming audience, like mm. PC and console games. Yeah, they want to, you know, to go huge and to like to get started with sponsorships or, or something uh, bigger. Uh, and um, what I would recommend is to start with the basics as, you know, in-game advertising and gaming as the advertising ecosystem is a relatively new channel. And that's why we need to, you know, to give it a try from every angle, starting from uh, games and then switching to live streaming and esports. 
uh, as a platform, Anzu um, can provide advertisers with in-stream and in-tournament ads. That's mm. you know the way we call them. Although at the end of the day, these are the same in-game ads. Um, what I can say in terms of the uh, like uh, streaming and esports audience, and generally, um, the audience and uh, the end users are much more sophisticated these days. Everybody mm-hmm. thinks about privacy. Everybody understands when we are um, like displaying um, disruptive ad, and they they are not happy with it anymore, right? They don't want this blunt advertising or you know the the advertising the advertising that um, bloggers uh, serve in a bad way, and that's again where in-game ads can help in terms of coming into the live streams. Since I'm as a streamer streaming a game where there are in-game ads that mm-hmm. are part of the environment, and my um, viewers just perceive this ad as part of the gaming world. Um, which gives many more eyeballs to advertisers. Like the, you know, the increase is huge since if uh, the player base is like one million, for example, the live streaming uh, viewer base can be five times more. So that's much more exposure. The exposure is supernatural and uh, um, not disruptive. Everybody is happy with it. So I do think that it's going to be more and more popular. And I also see, as I mentioned at the beginning, that uh, a number of brands want to get started with streaming and with uh, esports. Mm. I wondered, is there anything in particular in the report that really leapt out at you beyond kind of the growth in audience numbers? Um, you know, what are the sort of the big trends that you have been elaborated on by the report that you think are worth noting for brands and advertisers? Well, I think, uh, I mean, you touched on it yourself, Chris, talking about the social play and the growth in, in sort of willingness and the value of gaming as a, as a social connection. And I think that exists uh, not just in the game itself, but we've seen huge explosion in gaming groups on, on, on Facebook mm-hmm. um, and the way people interact around games and I think start to identify with a game as part of, Part of their identity, I suppose. Um, so again, I think I come back to to my point about uh, you know the idea around uh, the need for the diverse, the creative to answer the diversity audience. The thing that jumped out at me was, you know, these aren't just a big monolithic group of people you can call gamers. Mm. That to me is the big thing, and it's becoming more and more apparent. More, the more research we do, the more work we do, the more we realise. And you can cut it like all sort of cohorts of uh, you know segments of, of a market. You can cut it multiple different ways. You can cut it demographically. You can cut it geographically. But what I found interesting is cutting it by sort of propensity for genre, and then the motivations for play. And in the report, you know, we talk about, you know, Natalia hit the nail on the head. A lot of people play mobile games to just pass time. Absolutely. But we saw some really interesting things. Like people, some people do play for a sense of a way to express their identity. Mm. You know, and that's why you see games like Animal Crossing are a perfect example of that. Or, or Lily's Garden or, you know, any of those sorts of games that, you know, are ways for people to say, this is who I am. Particularly, in a, you know, when everyone's living remotely. Yeah. Um, that's what became really interesting to me is that, you know, gaming has this sort of dual 
uh, identity where it's you know some people think oh gaming it's it's something i'm not necessarily proud to say i do and then on the other side of that coin there are people who say through the games i play this is part of my identity and this is how i express it and that goes across you know you can dig into each of these genres and each of the motivations for why people play certain genres and i think to me that's almost a turnkey solution for uh, games advertisers and for other brands to access this market you know whether it's a, like you talked about luxury brands or tech or telco or you name it this audience you know the way they play the way they express themselves the genres they play the time they spend all of those things are you know they're identifying themselves and what better for advertisers than sort of a self-reporting person who says, I'm interested in this, I feel like this, I look like that, and, you know. Yeah. It's great for, for advertisers. Oh, my God, it's fantastic. And that's actually quite a, I don't know, I, I almost quite emotional <laughs> about the idea that, that sort of people do, and I recognise it in myself as well, you know, this, this idea that some of the games you play are a core part of your identity. You know, they're as valid a form of media as any other, and so, you know, if you can have, if you base part of your personality on a book, on a movie, then why not these games that you kind of do invest so much of your time and your personality in? That's absolutely. It's such a, uh, it's kind of a um, sort of a really hopeful way of looking at it, I think. And so, to to really start wrapping this discussion up, because there's there's been so many insights already, I wondered if we could maybe talk about what are the where should smart marketers be placing their chips? Uh, Natalia, you spoke earlier about this idea that it's not just endemic brands who can really take advantage of that. So, for people who are looking to get involved with gaming advertising now, where should they start looking? Um, that, that's, you know, a good question. And that's, I'm like, I'm like you know, speechless. Since, uh, as I mentioned before, the um, gaming offers so many opportunities for marketers. Um, I think that smart marketers should first recognize the power of gaming. Um, again, the reports, um, as we've been talking about a lot, the Facebook report for 2021 is a great asset just to have another look or to reconsider the way you think about gaming and gamers as your target audience. That's number one. And then the, um, the advertisers target and the KPIs are very important uh, to begin with. Uh, as I mentioned, every brand uh, can find the right audience among gamers, since uh, there are so many gamers that um, you know they're diverse and the the audience is versatile. So it's not about whether I should tap into gaming; it's about how I should do this. Who is the target audience? What kind of platform do do I want to target? Where do I want to get started with? And uh, we see the search numbers across the globe uh, in terms of the people who play games, the, the genres, um, platforms. So every marketer can find something for themselves within the uh, gaming world. And I think that's you know, the most important thing and the first thing that marketers should be aware of. Well, I think, you know, we go back to the top of our conversation where we talked about, you know, this new cohort and whether they're here to stay. And I think probably the, the in summation, they are here to stay, at least a, a large proportion of them. And uh, people who were playing will continue to play. So, you know, there is there is a market in, in 
mobile gaming and in gaming in general and it's growing and it's becoming much more mainstream so i think you know advertisers of, of any stripe but certainly you know from from our point of view at facebook gaming you know gaming advertisers anyone who wants to launch a game from indie developers to to triple a publishers you know there's a there's a big cohort of gamers there's a whole bunch of new gamers who've come into the mobile gaming business who look slightly different and so I think, you know, connecting with that group and, and those groups is one of the big things that will need to happen in 2021. I think the behaviours that are shifting, you know, we talked about um, the, the mixed or hybrid monetization model, you know, moving from a, you know, singular approach to, to hybridization, in-app advertising uh, is a huge opportunity. But again, the new cohort are happy to spend money. So you have to find that balance. You have to, you know, uh, build a business model or a monetization model that works for that. But also outside of the games themselves, you know, I think, you know, one of the things that I, we're looking at for 2021 for mobile gaming particularly, which has been done very well with some of the AAA franchises in console and PC is, you know, is about brand and, you know, what is brand to mobile gaming? And, you know, we're doing some work with our friends at Deconstructor of Fun and they're, they're sort of doing their prediction series for 2021 as they, they always do, you know, and we've been talking to them a little bit about what is brand to mobile advertisers. I think that's interesting. Mm. Um, but bottom line for me always comes back to, you know, it's going to be about creative, I think. I think, you know, I don't, we didn't go into it. I'm glad we didn't go into it because it's just a, a hot button topic at the moment. But the, the changing ecosystem... Uh, around data and privacy yeah. is going to mean that creative will be the turnkey solution in 2021 for, for advertisers, I think, in any business. Because, you know, if people, you know, as, as the world becomes more, uh, you know, uh, choosing my words very carefully, <laughs> as the ecosystem changes around data and privacy, we go back to some old school advertising, which is great creative. Maybe we don't know, you know, the... How, which part of it works, but you know you know that it will work. There's lots of people out there. There's lots of people to advertise to, and good creative is what gets people's attention. Yeah, something we could do an entire other podcast specifically about that, about kind of the value of creative in this new ecosystem, particularly around gaming. Yeah. But like you said, that would be a four or five hour discussion. So you know, <laughs> the length of an audio book almost. So what else then is coming from Facebook Gaming, and where can the audience find you if they want more insights? Uh, well, this report is available and we've uh, fb.gg forward slash the drum report. We just made a bespoke URL for everybody who's listening to this. But if you visit fb.gg forward slash marketers, there's a bunch of stuff available in our site there. Uh, from the previous report I mentioned, the Genre and Great Games report, there's also some work coming out in the next few months uh, uh, which is very much speaks to what I've been saying about creative. Um, we've done some really deep analysis of what people respond to in terms of creative, and we've come up, our, our colleagues at the Creative Shop within Facebook have come up with a great system for helping games advertisers build creative that will be, people will respond to. So it's worth keeping an eye out for that. Uh, and then we'll be doing the rounds across Europe. We'll be at White Nights, we'll be at PGC, um, you know, uh, and delivering as much as we can, as much value to the industry as we can. There's 
so much there to digest. I'm sure that everybody who goes and actually gets a copy of that report will need to take the time to actually sit and try to pass it because there is so much data there. But for now, thank you both very much for sharing your expert insight about what those opportunities are for marketers and gamers themselves as well. So Tim and Natalia, thank you so much for joining us for this. Thanks very much, Chris, and thanks, Natalia. Thank you.